Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. And I think I want to give a prize to every one of you who listened to the entire first part of Training the Will of a Child. I understand it. It's not my record. When we first began podcasting, we um, only podcasted one-hour classes because that's what I did. I taught one-hour classes for women most of my adult life. So um, it's only been in recent years that we keep moving the meter meter back to shorter periods of time, and we try to hit it 20 minutes. So 20 minutes now multiplied by two is 40 minutes, and maybe it's a foretelling of things to come. Maybe we're going to go to 30-minute shows, which I prefer. At any rate, today is... uh, Another wonderful day to be together. Thank you for joining us. We welcome you. Like our welcome prayer says, welcome, welcome, welcome. Today we are uh, talking again about motherhood during the merry month of May, Mother's Day, and training the will of our child. Part two is on target. What is to come is one more session, and that is to spank or not to spank. I know you'll enjoy that session we're going to do together. And then we'll round out our teachings in um, the Summer Challenge. For a long time now, I have offered women a Summer Challenge as we take leave of one another during the summer months to rest and prepare and refresh and get our resources ready, as we do with our children. So it's been the ministry's habit as well. We will be back together in the fall. During the summer, there will be summer shows. During the summer, you may also uh, take advantage of the summertime offering of the Choices Matter series at no charge. I don't even know what the cost of those are, but they're on our website under resources, and it's called the Choices Matter series. There are 24 lessons Four topics, wife, woman, mother, and homemaker, six hours of teaching under each topic. And there is a small fee for them regularly, but during this summer, this first summer after the pandemic, we're offering those two at no charge. So the summer shows, and then our ending, um, our teaching time uh, with a very important message from a special woman and her husband who are part of the ministry and have been a part of the ministry, and I'm looking forward to introducing her to you, who she is, who she is to me, and what she and her husband have done, which is nothing short of miraculous with God's direction. We're calling that the marriage reveal, and I promise you, you will not want to miss that. Lastly, if you have not taken up uh, the offer which we have given you, it includes subscribing to the ministry's website. And again, we do not send things out very often, very seldom actually, subscribing to the ministry's website, and that helps our um, numbers, our metrics, 
And if you do and give me your hard address, the ministry will forward you a copy of a book that I wrote called Loving Life as an At-Home Mom. And that will be a free copy to you. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here with me today. And I'm not even going to give you an overview of the last session, except that I will tell you that there is now available on the website a free resource, and it's titled Defined Teaching and Training. And there's a... Upper, clay, upper class letter A, define teaching and training. This was a part of a larger document, and we have reduced it so that it is available to you for free on the website. It's the difference between teaching and training. I spent 40 minutes describing this, but I want to say to you that in simple terms, teaching is training with truths, imparting knowledge and principles. Training is demonstrative, observable habits and behavior. The psalmist says that God has taught me from my youth, and I shall declare my wondrous deeds. And Solomon says that we are to train up a child in the way he should go. It's a practical, not a promise. And when he's old, he will not depart from it, because his training has been ingrained in him. He does it as a way of life. I think of so many things that I do. And just a small snippet from my own personal life. When my mother um, began to lose her mental capabilities, we brought her to our home. And um, it was astonishing to me that while she had been in her home, she would get up, she would go to the bathroom, she would get a drink of water, she would offer me a cup of coffee, my mother made the world's worst coffee. Anyone in her family will attest to it. it. They used to say, Esther, this is weaker than tea. And it was. But she would offer me a cup of coffee. When she came to our home, she couldn't find the bathroom. So my husband and I talked um, with, among ourselves and consulted experts and made the difficult decision to bring her back to her house and to care for her for the next four years in her own terms. My mother would get up at my house and couldn't find the bathroom. In her own house, she would get up. She would put on her kids. She would pull up her covers. She would brush her teeth. She would go to the bathroom. She would walk to the kitchen. She would make a pot of coffee. She would open the refrigerator to find her Entenmann's sweet. She, I would watch her do that. She just did it. It was habit. She had trained herself. She had trained herself. These are the things that I'm asking you to consider to give to your children. The training of observable behavior and habits. And this tool is available for you um, on our website. Remember, you make the decision when that baby comes home. Not that baby. On the first night, your baby is at home and you're home. You are training that child. Will he sleep in the dark? Will he sleep in the light? Will it be noisy? Will he have siblings? Will it be quiet? You train him to do that. That's what he comes to know. So this conversation about training the will of a child is very important to all that you are doing in raising your children. Um, 
be sure to go back and listen to the Training the Will of the Mama. And today we're going to dig into the very specifics of training a child's will. Well, unmanageable habits abound. I hear wives ask me all the time, why doesn't he stop doing blankety blank, 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 whatever it is? The answer is most often no one required self-control or self-denial or made him or you or child or colleague or friend do any of what I call the essential musts. There are some essential musts in our life. My husband, who was a tax attorney, always said, you know, it was the essential must of paying your taxes by April 15th. And and then years later, um, that you could get an extension. And now because of the pandemic, the date was changed. I mean, there are some musts that even that, the date has been changed. In addition, counselors confirm that the unmanageable habit cause of self-loathing, self-badgering, and anger, which is the definition of so much of what we see our teenagers engaging in, the cutting, the uh, tinkering with drugs that um, debilitate them and rearrange who they are. So remember, moms, you have a choice. God has given you a choice for yourself, and children have a choice. Remember that as you choose to train them, train them well, train them well, so when it comes time to make a choice, they will choose the right option. So many times people talk to me about the cause of Christ, and I I just want to pause before I begin this list of things that include self-control and appetite. You, you Are you listening for this and faith? But so many women say to me, well, I can't make someone love Jesus. And I say, no, you cannot. You can absolutely not. If we could make someone love Jesus, then we would be taking over the place that God had which he could have made us all love him, and we would have been all robots running around in a bunch of ruts. But he didn't. Instead, he gave us this staggering, amazing, unspeakable, full of love choice. And he said, I want you to love me. I want you to love me. I would love if you would love me. But you don't have to. Because if you had had to, I could have made a robot who did instead I made someone in my image, created in my image, and I gave that person the choice to love me or not. That's what surrendering to God is about. That's all you're doing. People talk about getting saved and going to the altar and and giving up everything you love in life. No, no. What you're giving up is your own will to do whatever you want to do, and to be obedient to what God has called you to do, which brings so much better results. But it's a choice. And so you're giving your children a choice. And by training them in an environment that is full of love and care and gives choice, they will have the option of making the right choice. So I'm going to give you a short list of things that training your child can be done. The first is self-control, Proverbs 29 and 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, 
but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Holy moly, bully woolly, isn't that the truth? Ah, oh, a child who is getting his own way, used to getting his own way. And then when they grow up, oh, I'm afraid they grow up to hate their mothers and fathers. You are your child's first God. You're the first individual, you and your husband, his parents. Your home is the first church, the first school. Be sovereign over him. Treat your commandments towards your children like God does toward us. Training for self-control is exercising self-control for God by his will to subdue his will so he learns how to subdue it for himself. It, it's a metaphorical picture of life. You're giving him the training to make these choices, Psalm 71 and 7, and then he can choose. A child can learn to sit still, not to cry, to speak, or to be quiet, just by the tone of your voice. I have done it. I have seen it done. I'm always moved to tears. Susanna Wesley, who herself was a, was a child of 25 children in her family, who had 25 pregnancies and delivered 17 children, she trained her children to cry softly. I remember the first time I read a biography about Susanna Wesley, and I thought, yeah, she's not a real person. Like, really? First of all, 25 pregnancies. What do I know about that? I had one. But, but as I read and understood how God had called her and understood the ingredients of her life, she was married to an itinerant preacher, and they had very little money. Can you imagine having 19 people in a very small house? Let me just explain to you that everything had to be done softly, and I mean everything, girls. So she trained them to cry softly, not to stop crying, but to cry, to open their heart, to express their emotions, but to do it softly. Paul speaks of our buffeting our bodies. Um, numbers of you who listen to this podcast run and hike and do marathons, triathlons and 60-mile talks and box and rides. And there are so many endurance tests and profiles, marathons available. I don't even know all the names of them. But train and teach your children the difference between will and want, okay? Training is training the will. Teaching is done for information. Secondly, train the will for appetite. Appetite. An insatiable appetite for anything. Do you ever hear me say, I, I'm a bookaholic? I, ha I have one of those, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't even say it. Uh, but my appetite for books can be out of control. We moved from a larger home to a smaller home. We got rid of at least 500 copies of books. And within two months of living in our new house, my husband came in and he had a box from Amazon. He said, this feels like a book. <laughs> and it was. But appetite is something that can be trained. An insatiable appetite for anything, books, TV, movies, music, clothes, activities, attention, privacy, coffee, anything. I didn't even mention food. The marketers are smart. They play into this on every front, from coffee to cars. 
when I was a girl, a blanket, a pillow, a park, and you were free to run barefooted. Now it is a band, train, food. The Federal Communications Commission's reported in September of 2015, children under four years old watch 40,000 ads for food a year, okay? Do you know that I'm reading a recent um, profile that every human being who lives on planet Earth today receives 5,000 hits of advertising? It isn't many years ago that I quoted 2,000 and then 3,000 and was struck. The first time I read that research, I thought, that's not possible. I can't possibly take in 2,000. But that includes every logo, every purse label, every candy wrapper, every bottle of water. And I'm sitting at my desk in the studio right now, and there's a bottle of water with a, and there's a book with my name, and there's another book with someone else's name. There's a computer with Apple. It, it's everywhere. Stimulation is everywhere. Romans 13, 13 says, let us behave properly as in the day, not carousing or drunkenness, not sexual promiscuity, not sensuality, not strife or jealousy. Here this word means honestly. Properly is a follower of Christ, a wife, a child, a student, a guest, a citizen. In this post-Christian culture, the problem with properly is the lower standard and the lack of absolutes. I cannot tell you how many times women write me or call me or I meet them at a speaking invitation and they say, I, I, we don't do absolutes. We don't do absolutes. I can only say that's their choice, but I can tell you that there are absolutes in this world. As a counterculture woman, we find these standards in the Word of God, in the life of Jesus, not on TV. What does it mean to be a counterculture woman? It means that living in the culture of the 21st century Western civilization, American civilization, we choose to live a culture that's driven by the Word of God, not the media, not the fact that we are free to express ourselves whenever we want to. Carousing here in Romans is doing what you want, when you want, when it feels good, gratifying, gratifying the self at all costs. These are the deeds of darken, darkness. Mm. I think about the Roman Colosseums and the vomitoriums. Why did they have vomitoriums? Because they would eat in excess, and then they would go and vomit. It was a way of life. And today we know that that is a disease that seriously affects um, men and women around the world. The third one is faith. Parenting is about life transfer. Parenting is about life transfer. They see you live your life. They hear you live your life and model how you live your life. I, I love that old story about the ham and the pan but I've seen it happen to myself so many times. What my grandmother did, my mother did, I do. And the ham in the pan, the gal is putting the ham in the pan, cuts off the end of it. And her husband said, why did you cut off the end of that ham? It's perfectly good ham. Because my mother always cut it off. Well, why did she cut it off? I don't know. She called her mother. Her mother said, because my mother always cut it off. Her grandmother was still alive. Grandma, why did you cut off the ends of the ham? She said, the pan I had was too small. 
That's all. It was just a simple functional matter. But we see it and we do it. Deuteronomy 30, chapter 30. And I'm going to read these few verses to you because they're very important words in the area of training a child, teaching and training a child, but training a child. Chapter 30, verses 14 through 19. No, the word is very near to you. It is your mouth and in your heart for all to observe. See, I have set before you today life, prosperity, death, and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death blessings and cursings. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, holding fast to him, for that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to you to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the rest. Choose life. That is what God is calling us to do choose life. The rewards and punishments are declared in advance, but the choice is still mine. Offer to your children the model of following Jesus as a choice, not because you're forced to. Never, never, never focus on choosing God because they have to. God doesn't do that to us, and we should not do it to our children. But you can train, and you can train for faith by modeling the blessings and peace and security that comes from knowing who is in charge in your house. Joshua 24, 15 says to us, as for me and my house, we choose. As for me and my house, we choose. Is that true in your home? As for you and your house, do you choose? I pray that you do. And I pray that you will model it and teach your children about faith. You cannot enforce it. You cannot make a child choose God. Give them freedom. Give them space. Give them patience. Give them wisdom. Make sure that what you're presenting is a loving God, not a scary, fearful, demanding God, but the God who loves us and will love us forever. Courtesy. Courtesy is something that you train for in your home. You asking questions, answering questions, looking in the eye. When it comes to dealing with your children, give them the courtesy of asking questions of them. I, I am so, I am so amazed at times when a, a woman will came to me and she'll say, "Oh, we're in trouble at our house, and I didn't even know." And I want to say, "You didn't even know what." And often I do. Well, I didn't know he was interested in that. I didn't know he was watching that. I didn't know that. What do you, what do you mean? You're 13-year-old. You didn't know he had access to porn on the computer. 
that, that's your job, Mama. That's your job, Papa. I love these brilliant ideas that you can find about how to have computer setups in your home. A friend of mine who literally took a guest bedroom and built desks all against the wall, all around the parameters of no furniture in the room, just desks that were tables, really, with little drawer things they bought from Michael's underneath it. And every computer was on that table for every person in their family. And when they did computer work, they went there and all the computers faced the inside. And I said, how much did that cost? She said, well, I went to the Costco and bought some folding tables, your, you know, those utility tables. All the kids had their computers. We got rid of the furniture and it has been so fun and reassuring. Nobody dares go into something that's not permitted. Asking questions, answering questions. Do you say to your children, not now, not now, not now, later? We'll get to that soon. Are you so busy you don't have time? Do you use what the proverb says, the word that makes hope deferred and causes children to be sad, the word that is maybe you know, moms, I've been around a while now, and I've never said maybe when I really meant yes or no. And we've been talking through the Sermon on the Mount this spring, and he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't be afraid to say, no, honey, we're not going to the park. Not maybe when all the while you know you're not going to the park. Ask them questions. Answer their questions. When you're talking to them, look them in the eye. But I'm cooking. That's okay. You can pause long enough to look them in the eye. But if you're so busy, you can't ask, answer questions, and look your child in your eye. May I ask you to reconsider your time and your schedule and what God's called you to do? Self-denial. That's a training. That is a training. Well, you do have enough money to buy that Lego, Samuel. I can still remember my son-in-law doing that with our grandson. Yes, Nana probably would buy it for you, Samuel. But you've had this Lego and that Lego, and even if you have the money, we're not going to do it now. The understanding is we're not going to do it now. We may be never doing it. What does that mean, Dad? Well, that means that sometimes the ability to say no to something when you can do it trains us to be a person, a different kind of person, and your mom and I want you to be that kind of person. Samuel didn't understand it. He might have been seven or eight years old. He had money from his birthday or Christmas or whatever. And he, his, my son-in-law was right. Nana would have done it. Oh, I learned early never to buy anything for my grandchildren that their mothers and fathers had not said yes to. I learned the hard way, though, I might add, grandmothers. We should have a show about grandmothers. What do you think about that? Yes, that's a good idea. And lastly, prayer. Now, Prayer is an important part of our lives, okay? It is. But let me just say that how you pray, how your children see you pray and hear you pray, is more important than teaching them anything you can teach them about pray. Pray with your children. Pray with your children aloud. Pray with your children in the morning. Pray with your children at night. Pray over events. Pray for people. Pray for others. May your house be a household of prayer. So how do you do this? You do all of these trainings by respecting your children, their feelings, their individuality. There's no one just like them. 
their ideas, their opinions, but I think their ideas are crazy, yes, but they're their ideas, and helping them respect them and understand them and solve their problems will help them decide whether their ideas are crazy or not. A holy mama gives instruction, direction, and establishes rules, and here's how she does it. Make sure that your rules are definable, reasonable, enforceable, and have consequences. Be sure that your rules are definable, reasonable, enforceable, and have consequences. Children have their own rules, you know. I wish I knew who wrote this. I did not. If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had a little while ago, it's mine. It's mine. It must never appear to be yours in any way. And if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. It looks like mine, and it is mine. I read that the first time, and I thought, whoever wrote that is a genius, because it's absolutely true. A small child in the middle of a room full of toys, and he's hoarding the ones to himself because he wants them all. It's mine. So children have rules of their own. You're training them to have different rules. So make those rules definable, simple, clear, understandable, eye to eye. Don't tell them how to build the clock. Just tell them what time it is. Don't tell them the reasons why you're making them this do this thing. Just tell them. Simply, clearly, and if at all possible, eye to eye. Be reasonable. A child is capable of, a, of accomplishing astounding things, but make sure they're physically, mentally, emotionally capable. My, my best illustration about that is a mother say to me, my children are always spilling their milk at the table. And I, I remember the first time I said this, and I said, well, what size glass are you giving them? And the mother just looked at me and she said, well, the glasses we use. And then she thought about it. It was like a, a 12 or 14 ounce glass. Well, a little child can't hold that glass. Now, that seems like an obvious reason. But be reasonable of what you're asking them to do. Does he have enough time? Does he have enough capacity? Does he have all the tools he needs? I was teaching my daughter how to wash a mirror. And I had the spray bottle, three steps. You can see YouTube on how I wash windows and mirrors. I won't tell you how to do it. I did it, did it, did it, did it. And then I left her with the equipment and I went out. I just got out of there. She came out 15 minutes later. She was dissolved and in tears. She was maybe 11. And she said, I can't do this, Mom. I'm just making a mess. It looks terrible in there. And the moment she did that, I thought, I didn't stay with her long enough. to. So what was reasonable, she could do it. But I needed to make sure that she understood the nuances of the squeegee and how much wet and how to dry. Thirdly, Make it enforceable. You must be consistent. With a time limit that it's inspectable, mothers say to me, what do you mean by inspectable? Well, if you tell your children to make their bed every morning, before they go to school, walk back and make sure they made their bed. That, that's just reasonable. That's reasonable on anybody's part who's asking somebody to do anything. Did they do it? Does it look good? Avoid discourse, argument, pleading, protestations. My daughter used to say, let me explain it to you, Mama. 
Let me explain it to you. That was usually right before she was getting ready for a good wallop. When you are defiantly challenged, win decisively. When you are defiantly challenged, win decisively. When a child asks in word or action, who's in charge? Tell him. Show him. When a child says, who loves me? Is who? Who is love? Tell him. Show him. And then have consequence. She's not unruly, rolling her eyes, talking too much, yelling, screaming, or counting. Uh, uh, she is the child who ha- doesn't understand that there are consequences when you say no. Four ways to give them what they really need for training is remembering that children are all about parenting. Be a mother who practices Christian living, prayer, Bible study. Be a mother who's willing to have her children all the time. She's not trying to get rid of them as fast as she can. Be a mother who is in the word and teaches these topics. And be a cheerful cheerful mother. In my early years, I was very cheerful. And then I got uncheerful. I was being very serious about things. And I, I met a guy who had written a book on humor. I'll never forget this, this situation. And he said, do you have any fun? And I said, well, what, what does fun really mean? Like I, he said, well, do you pick up a toilet paper holder, the, what's left after the toilet paper is taken off the roll? I said, a toilet paper roll? Yes. And he pulled one out of his case, and he put it up to his mouth, and he went, da-da-da! I hope that wasn't too loud in your ears. Da-da-da. And I died laughing, and I thought, that's, that's who I want to be. I want to be the mother who takes the end of the toilet roll instead of saying, who? Who didn't fill up the toilet paper roll? I want to look at it and say, dirt, dirt, dirt. Now, be a mother who's willing to be cheerful. It's never too late. Remember I told you that? It's never too late. Let me remind you again, it's never too late. If it had been too late, the block of marble with the hole in the foot that was to be discarded would not have been Michelangelo's greatest work today called the David. Your children are the works just as important as the work of Michelangelo. They are the Davids of tomorrow. Remember that training the will of your child is an opportunity to give them life skills that will last for the rest of their lives. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers. I'm so glad we've been together today. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of training your own will.